Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Before we get going here, I forgot the best announcement of all. As you leave today, you will receive chocolate. I kid you not. You will receive as many chocolate bars as you would like as you leave today. But here's the catch. It's not for you. Uh, the bars are uh, Friday uh, Women's Bible Study. They, they made these for us to hand out. The front says, what do eggs, chocolate bunnies, and Jesus have in common? That's right, nothing. And then the back, it's an invitation for uh, Easter worship. Right there. And so uh, they made these up. And so if you'd like to take these, and sometimes it's hard to invite your friends uh, to Easter worship, but it's easy to give your friends chocolate. No one turns down chocolate. So um, take as many of these bars as you'd like. Uh, Heather kind of designed the wrapper here, so good job, Heather. Thank you. And um, you can buy the Hershey font. Who knew, right? So uh, as you leave today, take as many chocolate bars as you'd like. That's right. You're glad you came to church today now. You're like, oh, man, this made the early morning all worth it now. I'm set. I got a chocolate. All right, excellent. We are continuing our walk through the parables of Jesus during this Lenten season, and we're at the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is a hard parable to preach, because everybody knows it. Everybody knows this story. You say the words Good Samaritan, and people who've never read the Bible at all will go, oh yeah, I know there's something about a Good Samaritan. It's a guy who helps someone else. That's a Good Samaritan. You're like, well, yeah, that's pretty much what the parable is about. But it's about a whole lot more. God calls us to be good Samaritans. In a world where that's lacking. On April 18th, 2010, in New York City, uh, Hugo Alfredo Tax Yale, it's a long name, he's an immigrant from Guatemala, and was recently in the country. And that night, he saw a lady being attacked. And Hugo ran to her rescue. And in the scuffle, Hugo was stabbed a couple of times. The attacker and the woman woman ran off in opposite directions. And Hugo lay dying in the streets of New York City. Security cameras captured what happened next. There were, all total, 18 people who walked past Hugo. Eighteen. One person stopped and took pictures with his camera phone. One person appeared to stop to help, and then as he rolled Hugo over, over, saw the blood, and he he ran off. No one called 911. When paramedics arrived 15 minutes later, Hugo had passed away. And we wonder, what can motivate such deliberate inaction? We never live far away from this parable. In this parable, we have a man who's been beaten and left for dead. He's on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And this road is uh, it's a desolate road. You go uh, east from Jerusalem towards Jericho, and you'll instantly hit the Mount of Olives. Uh, where Jesus prayed, the Gethsemane Mount is right there. It's right there. And you climb up that mount, and you go back down, and it becomes a very desert region. 
very desolate. The road, even to this day, is windy, and it's lots of ups and downs, and lots of places for robbers to hide. And this man's beaten and left for dead. He's stripped naked. Not only did they take his money, they took his clothes, too. And two people come by. A priest and a Levite. They stop, and they look, and they keep on walking. Kenneth Bailey uh, wrote a book, uh, Through Peasant's Eyes, and he uh, was a missionary in the Middle East for a number of years and, and lived and grew up there, actually. And so he explains the parable through, through the culture of that day and age. For the priest and the Levite, they, they couldn't tell the man was dying. Apparently they couldn't ask him, how you're feeling? And if he was dead, they weren't allowed to touch him because it would have made them unclean. So they weren't allowed to touch the man if he was dying, and he was naked, stripped clean, so he had no clothes, and they couldn't touch that body. And so they keep on walking. And then a Samaritan shows up. It's hard to communicate what this would mean. It'd be kind of like an, an Indian showing up in Dodge City with a half-dead cowboy and walking into a saloon. Unlikely he's walking back out. That's kind of what it's like. Even if he walks in and says, take care of this man, I'll pay for his care. In that day and age, it's a risky gamble. And that's what the Samaritan does. He walks into an establishment where he is not allowed. And he said to the innkeeper, take care of this man, and I will pay for his care. And on my way back, if he's incurred any more expense, I'm going to take care of that for you too. It's incredible mercy. It's incredible love. Who is my neighbor? Jesus makes it clear. The rules are broken, the fences have come down, and prejudice dissipates with compassion wins. And we could end the story here. Most do. Most sermons on the Good Samaritan, they end here, and they end with some uh, plea of being, be compassionate to everyone, no matter what. And that's a good sermon. But it's not the full story. Because this would have blown their minds. It's hard for us to imagine it. Because we live on this side of the cross. We live on this side of where uh, Jesus has said to the criminal, today you'll be with me in paradise. We live on this side of Paul's beautiful words of the gospel where he says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God. Christ died for us. We're like, yes, yes, we get it. We nod our heads. Yes, be merciful to everyone. That's very nice. Of course we should. We get it. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The lawyer asked Jesus. What must I do? And it seems as if Jesus' answer is very simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love everyone. That's what you do. Right? But the Samaritan was no good neighbor. 
The Samaritans and Jews, they hated each other. They hated each other. They were enemies. Be merciful to your enemy. Be merciful to the last person on earth you want to be merciful to. That's what you do to inherit eternal life. It's not so easy, huh? It's not so easy at all. And some of you are here thinking, I don't have a chance. (laughs) Be merciful to the last person on earth I want to be merciful to. Dear Lord, I need your mercy. And I think this is Jesus' main point. Paul writes, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. It's a weird phrase, huh? What he means is this. Very rarely will anyone die for someone who keeps the law perfectly. Very rarely will anyone die for someone who doesn't do anything wrong. But for a really nice person, someone might dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While you were still a sinner. While you were an enemy of God. Christ died for you. Is that incredible? While you were an enemy of God, Christ died for you. It's overwhelming. God's mercy is overwhelming. God's level of generosity and grace is so far above ours, it's it's impossible. It's, It's hard to comprehend. This, this past uh, week, I was driving uh, the off-ramp in Gypsum, and uh, there was a guy there begging for money at the freeway off-ramp there. And uh, I had some leftover for my lunch, and rolled down the window and gave him my leftovers. And drove off. And my little son, Tim, said, Dad, that was really nice of you. I said, yes, son, we were supposed to be generous and be gracious. And that was a nice thing to do, right? That was nice of me. Yeah, that's nothing compared to what God does for us. What we consider generous and kind and gracious is so far below God's generosity and His graciousness. It's so far below. It's overwhelming. One time the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to seven? Now think about it. Seven's a lot. Someone who's stabbed in the back. Forgive them. Then they speak, speak ill of you. Forgive them. Then they, they take something that's yours. Forgive them. Then uh, the person uh, is in a conversation and they, they've mocked you. You've heard about it. Forgive them. All right, I'm up to four. How many of you are done right now? <laughs> Seven's pretty good. Seven's pretty generous. Seven's gracious. Jesus says, no, that's not gracious. I tell you, 77 times. And the Greek there's a little tricky, so some Bibles translate it 70 times seven times. But the meaning's clear. Whatever we think is generous and gracious, then there's God. God's generosity. His graciousness is overwhelming. 
It's the overwhelming mercy of God that gives you forgiveness and life and hope. God's overwhelming mercy covers your sin and mine. God's generous compassion converts you from an enemy to a friend. God's mercy is free to you and it's costly to Jesus who sacrificed everything to be merciful to you. This past week, there was a reporting of generous mercy. Focus on the families. Sammy Yakub is ministering to the families of the 21 young men who were murdered by ISIS for their faith. And as he went into the situation, he expected to see this village of just brokenness. And they were. For a while. But then Sammy reports this. The families of the murdered expressed a desire to provide light to these men whose eyes had been blinded so that they might experience God's truth and love. Can you imagine? They want to show love to people who killed their sons. The people in this village, they're, they're Christians. Uh, and in Egypt, that often means you can't get a very good job. And they live in absolute poverty. And these young men had traveled away to get, earn money to send back home, and that's how they got kidnapped. And in spite of this, Yakub reports not one family expressed a need for physical provision. Instead, with smiles on their faces, they conveyed a sense of peace, reliance on, and gratitude to Christ for his sufficiency. Nor was there a word of bitterness directed toward their ISIS tormentors. There was a realization among these believers that Jesus was all they had, and they were all in for him. And friends, that is an overwhelming mercy. And as I read that article, I thought, could I do that? Could I show mercy to someone who killed my son? And before you, I have to say, I don't know. I have to be honest, I don't know. But I do know where the power for that kind of mercy comes from. It comes from a relying and a resting in and a rejoicing in the overwhelming mercy of Jesus for me. It comes from a, a humble repentance and a realization of, of all I've done and, and of all I don't deserve. It comes from a humble acknowledgement of my own sin and saying, Lord Jesus, thank you that you're not just with me. Thank you that you don't give me what I deserve, but you give me Jesus. It's an overwhelming mercy. It's an incredible hope. And my prayer for you this morning is this, that you would know deep in your heart deep in your soul, centered in your mind, that God has been overwhelmingly gracious and merciful to you. And that knowledge, that realization, would be a source of constant joy and peace and security in your life. That the God of all creation calls you his beloved, and the Savior of the world has shed his blood for you because he is gracious and generous 
and merciful to you. We worship a loving creator. We serve a generous God. We are redeemed by a gracious and merciful Savior. And so as you walk out today with your cup of coffee in your hand, (laughs) may your prayer be like Bev's this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for this reminder to rely on you to be our rest, our security, our peace. And may that overflow to those around you. May it overflow to those around you. As you hand him a chocolate bar, and say, here you go. This is for you. Check out the wrapper. And say, it's my Easter at my church because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And one day I will too. And in this world, everything else is just the details. Because God's been good. And he is. And by the resurrection of Jesus, promise always will be. May that be your joy, your peace, your hope, and may it overflow in mercy to those around you. Amen? Amen. May the peace of Christ, the peace of Christ which passes all understanding. Oh my goodness, that's so true. Guard your heart and your mind. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for life everlasting. Amen. 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 Let's jump up. <laughs> Let's sing a closing song here.